Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 6, 2015, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XX, starting with paragraph one for review, and we'll start our study on paragraph two today. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Diane G., the 12 Traditions, Janice B., reading the text today would be Martha Z., Marcella M., and Elizabeth S. The reference number for yesterday, which is Monday, October 5th, is 8085, 8085. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 Steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here this morning. The 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. And I will now ask... 
Janice B., are you there to read the 12 traditions? Yes, I am. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our, our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should for, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume the study of the big book on page XX, paragraph 1, and I will ask Martha Z to begin our study. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, good. Thank you for being there. My name is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, gratefully recovered by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Uh, good morning, friends in recovery. Another reason for wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press. 
together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with the men of religion. I want to start with the, the part where it said that we're not a religious organization. And um, we often say, well, in my mind, religion is, is more about what the rules and the ritual and the structure is. But we call ourselves a spiritual program. And, and it's, that's a wonderful thing because it makes us all inclusive. And it doesn't, it doesn't turn anybody away who's turned off by, by that spiritual approach. And um, so in, in Bill's story, you know, Ebby says to him, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And then in, um, in uh, let's see, it's, I guess it's We Agnostics on page 46, it says, our own conception of God was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. Um, and in the realm of the spirit is broad and roomy, all exclusive, never, all inclusive, never exclusive, open to all men. So um, let's see. And my favorite is is AA's twelve and twelve, which says the hoop we have to jump through is wider than we think. And um, anyway, so it's it's a blessing because it makes it it makes this program open to everyone. And then it it talks about how we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as the men of religion. And I think about the the paragraph that I read earlier talks about how about our friends in religion and medicine and that they were our persistent advocates. And what I was just thinking about that is there there doesn't need to be any competition with that. We're we're we um we're it's like we're all on the same team. We have the same goal. We want to, to help the still suffering compulsive overeaters. So um I think that's all I have. Thank you so much for letting me give service. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to comment on what was read today? Press star one to unmute. This is Larry. Hi, Larry Kay. Anyone else? Reva P. Reva P. Okay, well, we'll start with Larry Kay this morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melanie. <clears throat> Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, so what I, I read here, you know, I'll just uh, focus in on, on the, uh, the religious organization concept. You know, um, for me, um, you know, when I, when I first walked into the rooms of OA, had they espoused a uh, specific religion, um, you know, that, that would have turned me off. Um, it, it, may, it, may not have, it may not have had the same impact on others. That's okay. I know for me... I probably never would have had the opportunity um, to pursue this if, uh, you know, if I if I had that sense, you know, that it was uh, a religious organization in some sense, and it wasn't that. Um, it was what I actually I was very attracted to the fact that when I walked in there, um, people were uh, espousing, you know, spiritual concepts. Now that was very attractive to me. 
but I quickly learned that um, that what those spiritual concepts were that we, you know, this was uh, somewhat generic in that sense that you know you could, you know, you could you could uh, uh, really have a, a higher power of your own understanding, and that it was absolutely a spiritual program. I got that um, pretty soon after learning uh, what was in the big book, but it wasn't a specific religious organization. You know, a religious organization would be sort of like any affiliated group that's primary purpose is in support of that particular theological orientation. So, you know, for example, if I attended a Catholic university, um, no big surprise there that they, that they are going to teach and support Catholic principles. Um, if I go into a, a Jewish community center, um, a JCC, you know, um, of course they're going to support, um, you know, uh, those, those things that are important, uh, to the, the Jewish community and that, that particular um, faith. So, um, you know, so that was what was so unique here for me is just the beauty that, you know, that this was something that I could, um, anybody could be a part of this. And that's the hope here is that these 12 steps can bring someone into alignment with a higher power of their own understanding. And that was a beautiful thing for me because it, it was kind of a springboard that I, actually ultimately further developed a close connection with the higher power of my own understanding. And that made all the difference for me. And so now just wrapping up, I'll say that, you know, I communicate with people with uh, of all different, uh, you know, religious faiths, orientations, denominations, um, agnostics, atheists, uh, makes no difference. If someone is willing to uh, find a power greater than themselves, they can have this thing. So thank God for, for this, uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous in a way. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, for me, I um, actually had a lot of uh, religious education growing up, and I went through a period where I did try religion to sort of get something in my life uh, right, but it didn't work. Um, and I actually never... Um, understood or even thought about the fact that there was a difference between religion and spirituality. Um, that was never part of my religious education, so um, it was a totally foreign concept. I'm extremely grateful that the 12-step programs are non-denominational um, and not religious um, organization affiliated, because myself as well, I would have just walked out the door. Um, I had that already in one form, and um, it really didn't do much uh, at all for my um, overeating problem. Um, and for me, the spiritual aspect, you know, apparently what I'm learning in this big book is my problem is a, lo a lack of power. So the solution is finding a power greater than myself. Now, that power doesn't have to be God. It could be anything greater than myself. And for me, that concept, um, first of all, it was uh, so refreshing to fire my old um, God, which was my higher power, because it was so negative, it was so punishing, it it was so counter-helpful um, for my um, food addiction. Um, and then to start creating um, a power greater than myself, but my own conception that if I had 
my choice, what would that power be? Uh, what would it do for me? And that's been an evolution. Um, that's something that constantly deepens and changes. Um, and that's very different than uh, the God that I pray to um, as a younger person. So I'm so grateful that not only is it non-denominational, but we get to create and come up with our own conception of any power. And it could be anything, um, and I know several people who are atheists in this program, and they still have a power greater than themselves. Um, and I just think it's just so brilliant. Um, and um, I'm grateful because I never, ever knew what you know having a spiritual life uh, meant before this program. That's it, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And we are on page XX, focusing our study today in comments on paragraph two. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Matt M. Harper B. Kim G. Sue G. I have Matt M., Sue G., and Kim G. Anybody else? Barbara B. All right, Barbara, we'll put you on the line up too. Anybody else? Okay, good morning, Matt M. Let's start with you. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., a recovering the pulse lower eater just for today in the rooms, New Jersey. Yeah, this paragraph is really important to me. It also goes to the heart of other, the chapter four as well. We agnostics, I needed to hear this because, you know, a lot of us, me, I can speak for myself, I grew up with a lot of um, pain, a lot of indoctrination that really just put me, when I first came in the rooms and I heard the word God, I ran for the hills. I was in the rooms for eight years struggling with this concept until last year when I realized that, you know, it's not all about me. You know, I had to really give up a lot of my preconceived notions of what I had and just put down that, um, my, my torch and my, uh, my attitude towards um, religion and towards um, the concept of a higher power and just let that debating society go. Um, I'm stubborn to a fault, and that just kept me in the food for so many years, in and out, even sponsoring while I was not abstinent and not being honest with myself. Um, this disease turns me into a, uh, a liar, and uh, it, I really had to come to terms with some really core, hardcore beliefs and truths about myself they were hard to face. They were really, they were really like gut-wrenching to deal with. And I realized I didn't want to get into recovery because I just didn't want to deal with the concept of God. And the fact that, you know, every time I hear the word God now in the big book, I don't get upset anymore like I used to. I just say, go to orderly direction. Because for me, that's what it is, you know. I, but there's a lot of concepts that are bigger than I am. And the only thing I have to concede to myself is that there is, there is a God and it's not me. You know, it's not me. Left to my own devices, it didn't work. Matt's program did not work eight years in the rooms, and, you know, I finally conceded that, you know, for me to work this program, I just have to silence those inner thoughts and ask to have them removed, and they have been removed on a, on a daily basis. And um, for me, um, to feel inclusive, and I, I deal with people um, on a daily basis who are agnostic. I haven't really had that many atheists, but even if I have, the, the hoop is wider than we think. I just have to be willing, like I said, just have to be willing to shut that in a debate off in my head that tells me, you know, this doesn't want to work, this is not, you know, you have to do this, you have to put, you know, and I just, I just let all those things go, you know, um, because I want recovery and I want to be able to say, you know, to help others, and that's the primary purpose, you know, and for me, I just have to get, take myself out of the equation and just surrender to the process. So, you know, the only step I have to take um, perfectly every day is step one, and then, um, and then the belief that something can help me that's greater than myself, that's step two. So, you know, as long as I take those two steps every morning, um, I'm on my way to where I need to go to get recovered. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Matt M. Suji, you're next. Thank you. Good morning. I have a little frog in my throat. But um, on page 49, and we agnostic, it tells us not to be prejudiced of those of faith and why not to be. If I had to come into a meeting and it had been a denominational meeting and not just a uh, open to God as I understand him, um, it would have turned me off also. I am a person of faith, um, but my... I, I grew up in a, with a loving God, so I didn't have any problem. The only problem I had, I mean, yes, I had a problem. It was a spiritual problem. I had never found the way to have that spiritual daily connection with God and to be able to um, really turn everything over to him, to let go of everything and submit fully, including my food, including my my preconceived notions, um, I've learned not to be prejudiced against those who are a different denomination of me if they let it known in a meeting. But I don't like it when they do that because we aren't a religious organization, you know, in that sense that, you know, I don't walk into a Catholic meeting. I don't walk into a Protestant meeting. But it's God, God, my God is the creator of, creator God is step seven's um, uh, prayer says. And I don't, um, mention what denomination I am. All I mention is God. Um, and so I thought when I read We Agnostics, I, you know, I won't have any problem with this, but I found it so filled with faith that um, I had a spiritual experience, which I had already thought I'd had in my religious life. But I had, there was so much more to offer me. Um, but I love, you know, I love this that paragraph that specifically that we're talking about right now because it's important that we realize that we're not a Christian, you know, a Christian or a religious religious organization, but to be tolerant and not to be prejudiced against against those that are. We just don't proselytize or, you know, mention exactly the details, um, but we're free to mention church or mention prayer and uh, and those that, that don't are free to mention however they pray or however they get their med- meditation skills and with that I pass thank you thank you Suji Kim G you're next good morning Melanie good morning all my name is Kim G I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey this is such the crux of, of the success of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, this idea that we are not affiliated with any specific religious denomination, so we're not excluding anyone. And I remember for myself, you know, I grew up in religious schools for 12 years, so I never read the chapter We Agnostics. It just didn't seem relevant to me. And that was a turning point because We Agnostics is not telling us to believe in God. It's not telling us who God is. It's trying to convince us that we need a power. We need a power. And I remember a big book teacher talking about the fact that even if I was comfortable with that power or my, my relationship with, a, with a God, that it was my responsibility to know that chapter so I could help people who did not believe in God. And that is what I feel is so essential is regardless of my beliefs, my job as a recovered person is to make sure that that hoop is big, that I am not making that hoop smaller because I'm inflicting my beliefs on anybody else. 
you know, I had a great teacher, someone I worked with who was agnostic, who taught me how to say power instead of God, who taught me that these steps, the power of these steps are amazing because this person does not believe in God and was able to recover regardless of what her specific beliefs were. You know, step two, I think a lot of people sit in it thinking I have to have this relationship with God and I have to have a specific idea and I have to have characteristics of a power. All step two is, is a need for a power. Do you need a power? Does your, does your step one with powerlessness convince you you need a power? It's not till step 11 that we get a relationship with that power. So it's the steps in between that we will develop that relationship, whatever it will be, and we're not told what it has to be. You know, I often get concerned when I hear people say, well, I will only, I will only sponsor people with my specific faith. And I'm not just concerned for the people that they're sponsoring, I'm concerned for them. Because if you're limiting your ability to help people because people have to believe like you, my personal belief is you're risking your abstinence. Because we have to be out there helping all compulsive overeaters, not people that have you know, the belief system we do. And I personally am tickled when I bring someone through the steps and they ask me a question and they go, oh my God, I thought you were the same religious faith I am. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Because my faith is irrelevant to what I'm teaching. I'm teaching them to have a relationship with the power, not the power that I have, but the power that they need. And I personally describe myself as a spiritual mutt. You know, in step 11, we're encouraged to have, to go out and seek other ways. I read all types of spiritual books from all types of religions. And I have to tell you, I have never, ever found a spiritual book that is in conflict with the 12 steps. It's always complimentary. It amazes to me every time I read a book and I think, wow, that's just like step 11. Wow, that just reminds me of step four. We are all inclusive, never exclusive. And we have to remember that, not for our, just for ourselves, but when we're helping others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Barbara B. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And I love looking at this paragraph because oh, AAOA is not a religious organization or is it medical. But my own experience is that I tried for many years to let my religious practices help me with food addiction, and it never did. I could pray, I could be involved in the religious practices, and then I could go and eat to deal with my inability to deal with life. So it didn't help me. Um, however, I can remember very well when I went to yet another attempt to, quote, detox and fast, and the director said, you're back again. And I said, I don't know what is happening, why I can't hold it. And he said, maybe you've got to get religion. And he was not a, quote, religious person. But I felt in retrospect that that was kind of like Ebby sitting at the table with Bill Wilson. You know, I've got religion. Because once I came to OA and once I found the 12 steps and a path, a spiritual path, and relief from the food addiction and learning how to live and using a spiritual basis with a practical program of action, as it says, I had my launching pad. I could then, quote, get religion. I could use the religion I grew up with and I could use all religions and their practices and have them enrich my growth transform me and enlarge my life uh, and improve the quality of life, both from physical, emotional, and spiritual life. So I'm not saying um, that I want to say it's not a religious organization and be adamant about not using 
um, appropriate religious sources and religious writers. I don't want to be prejudiced against them. I want to value them. And that's my experience now. I value them because they feed my 12-step way of life. And I have heard spiritual religious writers say the 12 steps is the religion of this century. And that, that's my wonderful, grateful experience. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Renata. Hi, Renata. Alice M. Hi, Melanie. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'd like to share. Okay. I got, and Carol G. Okay, I got a line up here that should probably take us on. I'm going to go with um, Renata G., Alice M., Linda, and Carol. Good morning, Renata. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Raider in New York. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with the men of religion. And uh, this is a good paragraph for me today. And uh, what it makes me think of is, you know, having an open mind. And, um, you know, the, the thing this paragraph talks about, right, religion and, you know, doctors, uh, these are all man-made powers, right? And I know they were not enough um, to, you know, get my disease arrested, right, in the past. Like, I know man-made power is not sufficient. I need to believe in a higher power. But uh, it's saying here, you know, be open-minded. Like in step 11 on page 87, it says, you know, be quick to see where religious people are right, you know. And so, like, this is a spiritual program. We practice these principles in all of our affairs, like every day. But, you know, if there are certain religions that have some practices that we can incorporate, that we can make, you know, better use, of these principles and have more discipline, you know, saying be open to that. Don't don't be closed-minded. Same thing with, uh, you know, medicine, uh, with the doctors. You know, I knew doctors could not cure my disease in the past. It could not relieve my obsession of the mind. But, you know, be open to, you know, what doctors have to say about your health you know, uh, make use of what they have to offer. And so that's that's what I get from it today. Uh, I know that before coming to program, I used to practice religion, but no principles. So I would go to church and pray and go out in the world and be resentful and fearful and harm people. And, you know, living a spiritual life rather than a religious life is, it's very, very different. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Alice M. Thank you, Melanie. This is Alice M., a compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And um, true, this is not a religious organization. I'm really grateful for that. But, um, you know, we can't deny that um, it got its roots and it was deeply influenced by the religion of the day, which was the evangelical pietism of the Oxford group, you know, that is where this book, that is where this, this movement comes from. Um, 
And I tell you, when I went to my first meeting, and I was in treatment, it was in 1985. I can't remember if it was OA or AA. I have a feeling it was AA because it was a huge um, room. And, um, you know, I was told, um, or I heard before, you know, we are, we're told it's a spiritual program, not a religious one, that any higher power is okay. But I tell you what, you could have fooled me. <laughs> you could have fooled me. What I heard in that room was, um, you know, uh, a God, um, uh, more than God, you know, Lord and he and him. And, and, I, and throughout the literature, you know, it was, they say any higher power is okay, but the, there's a capital H and a capital P, which suggests a deity. And um, for this non-religious person, um, any kind of deity was not going to work for me. Um, and I became so uncomfortable with the language that I rejected the whole program. You know, I threw the baby out with the bathwater. And in so doing, I lost a wonderful chance to change and enrich my life. Um, you know, and, and I, um, I, you know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to seek resources, and this was just recently, um, resources that could, could help me as a non-religious person accept the healing power of the steps. Um, you know, I... I have no doubt, you know, I believe in this program. I believe in the transformative power of these steps, and I wanted to be able to do it. You know, so, you know, it was as if, um, you know, we can say it's not a religious organization, but it's it's steeped in, the language is steeped in religion. Um, and it's just, you know, from from the, the period of time where it was pulled from. And, um, you know, when I would read through it, it would be like, picking up a book in French, and I don't speak French very well. And so I would have to carefully translate it into my own native Spanish, let's say, if I were Spanish-speaking. Um, and I found resources, thank goodness, um, that helped me do that. You know, that now, you know, I, learned, I have learned now how to extract the actions and the principles of those original steps and put them into a secular context, you know, so I can understand this and work this program also. Um, you know, it just makes it clearer for me and for others that are secular also. It's, um, you know, it's easier, it's easier to bring my own spiritual meaning to a 12-step way of living, you know. And, and I love this saying that I heard once, you know, whether a person believes in God, whether a person is Jewish, Christian, Mohammedan, atheist, or agnostic, none of this matters. You know, what does matter is that we learn to live this 12-step way of life and that, um, and even more important, you know, it's it's that we... We commit, ourselves, we commit ourselves to this journey. You know, it's not important how we climb the mountain, just so we commit ourselves to this journey. But I was, um, you know, the whole religion thing, you know, I struggled and struggled with that and finally had to stand in my truth and say, look, acting as if is just done, Alice. It's not your truth. This is a program of honesty, and I need to live in my integrity around this and find a way to work this program and get, these, get this healing that others are getting if they're, um, you know, it's more easily if you're, you know, Judeo-Christian, you know, reading through this book, it just is, is easier and easier read. So, I'm just so help. I'm just so grateful to people that have gone before me that um have Hi. shown me that I don't need to throw this out. I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Alice M. Linda D. Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Um, this is one of my favorite experiences or topics to talk about. Um, I'm absolutely so grateful that it's not a religious program. And some of the things that bother other people bothered me too. I had a gift. 
and that gift was I was a little kid inside. And um, so when I got the idea that I had to have God in my life, and I didn't believe in God, I was an atheist, really an atheist, not because I wanted to be, but because nothing made any sense to me, and there's a lot of horror in the world. So because I was a little kid, I talked to this higher power. I acted as if, because that was suggested, yes, it was dumb, and Lord knows I was raised to be an intellectual. Forget that. That doesn't work. But anyway, um, so I acted as if, and I did the steps over and over and over. And it gave me the experience. All I said and my prayer was, and it was from the tips of my toes, I I was terrified because I was sure God was not real. Whatever it was, it wasn't real. And my prayer was, show me that you're real beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I thought, can you really say something fresh like that? Well, yeah, I did. And I said it a lot. And this force showed up in my life through those steps over and over and over, all the synchronicities, until I got a sense of it so strong that it guides my life all day, every day, if I'm doing it, you know, as well as I can. It's totally an amazing experience. It has nothing to do for me with self-help. It has nothing to do with that. It's a power within, and I feel it and I know it, and anybody can. And that's why I don't push other people. Their path is within them, and that power will guide them to what is right for them. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Carol G. And good then morning, we'll move Melanie. on to the next paragraph. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Good, no- good morning, Vision, for you. It's Carol G. Recovered one day at a time. I think what I was going to share was, yeah, I was going to share around about the uh, medical view. Um, the medical people, the med- medical fraternity, they really tried to fix my body. They really tried to help me. Even the psychologists tried to help me. But I kept putting the damaging substances back into my body again, and I could not cooperate with their plans or their designs. And I think for me, the, the alcoholic foods that I ate didn't respect the human body, my body. And the disease itself that lives within me has one job, one purpose, and that is to kill the precious body that I live in. And the food that I stuffed into myself was a rapacious creditor. And here in this big book, I can see the big book respecting our humanness, who we are, wherever we come from, whatever culture. And my body is being respected too because... In the solution that they're offering to me, I'm given a way to shield myself from consuming that beautifully wrapped disease because it has a system that I can believe in. And and I meet people all the time with many different traditions, beliefs and cultures. And religion for me, I looked it up in the dictionary and it said a system of faith. And I liked that because it helped me change the word. And it helped me to find a way in with some of this language because I know today that we're all descendants of Bill and Bob, the first 100. And on that family tree, I know that through those generations, the message can get distorted, the message can get diluted. And me as a compulsive overeater, I need to take a very 
undiluted message every single day. My medicine must be as potent and strong as it ever was in the first place. So as it goes through the generations, cutting through boundaries, never minding culture, it can get right to the heart of anybody who reads it. It's been translated into so many different languages as well, which is awesome. So today for me, what I call back to basics is always going back to this big book and seeing how it speaks to us no matter where I come from, whatever I've tried. And I'll just share quickly. I even remember going to see a priest once whilst I was in the church and he said to me in a confession, he said, Carol, I think what you need to do is treat your eating disorder before you can speak to God directly. You're just not getting a clear line. <laughs> and I thought, goodness me, what a signpost. That man must have known something. So thank God for him, thank God for you, and thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. I pass. Thank you, Carol G. And we'll move on now to the next couple of paragraphs that finishes out this particular chapter. Marcella M., would you start with reading paragraph three and four for us today? Sure. Um, good morning. Thank you, Melanie, and good morning, visionaries. Um, my name is Marcella M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Alcohol being no respect to a persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America, and in distant lands, the same democratic evening up process is now going on. By personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkle of Muslims and Buddhists. More than 15% of us are women. Do you want two, Melanie, or just one? Yes, please go ahead and finish that out for us. Thank you. At present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. So far, upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcohol problem in all its ramifications. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. Um, so this paragraph, you know, where it begins to say alcohol being no respect for a person, well, I know that, right? Like, um, it doesn't matter if you're young men, women, religious or not, if you were born in this country or not, uh, food addiction is food addiction, and it will get you if you're a potential food addict, a compulsive overeater like I am. So food addiction and, and compulsive overeating is no respect of persons either, but the good news is that recovery is accessible to all who want it also. So just by showing up and, and saying, I am eligible for this grant because I have the disease, it's, it's great hope. So um, the only thing that kind of surprises me is that it says by personal religious affiliation, but it doesn't say here we absolutely do not need a religious affiliation in order for this process to, to, to work. Um, even though I consider myself a religious person, I always, I love what the previous speaker said, that I'm always translating or trying to translate this message into secular words. I always make a conscious effort to sponsor people without any trace of religious language, um, translated into secular uh, facts so that to make accessible to everybody, to as much, as, pe as much people as possible. 
Then what it says, at present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. This is not something that happened back there and then only, and we're just reading the history of how um, the community and the fellowship of AA came to be. This is something that is happening to us right here, right now. Um, sometimes I like to uh, talk to the very first people that started this meeting, this phone meeting, and um, I learned that um, there were like 40 people who started this meeting, and, and, and they were a splinter from some other phone meeting, and, and then they started, and from 40, they jumped to 60, from 60 to 100, from 100 to, I don't know how many we are, but we're a ton. And now we were not stopping there. Like I know that there are live meetings in Canada, and now we have um, live meetings in Boston, and, and now we're getting together in Virginia in a couple of weeks, and, and we're pyramiding. We're like we're expanding, and we need to. We need to expand and we need to grow because, as it says here in this paragraph, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the food that composes our eating problem in all its ramifications. When I look around, you know, even in my community, which is, you know, a lovely community in, in Jamaica Plain in Boston, um, the, I mean, the problem is so terrible. Sometimes I think, can we translate this into teenage uh, language, into children's language? Can we make overeaters for families whose children are obese and whose moms are obese? Um, we we will never be able to to really. This message is so badly needed to so many kinds of population that the only thing that we can do, if we have had the blessing of being recovered today, is to try to spread the message. Can't wait to see you and hug you all. I love you. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on these two paragraphs this morning? Melissa from New York. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Charles. Anybody else? Well, let's go with that for now. Hi, Melissa. You can go up first and then Charles. Hi. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, that just that um, alcohol is no respecter of persons and um you know so it it doesn't discriminate although you know when i was in the throes of my food addiction to me it i had such a narrow self-absorbed view that it seemed like it did discriminate you know i thought um people that had money people that had a better education people that had something that i didn't have somehow didn't have this problem um you know, and so I was judging um, from the outside. And so I didn't realize that there could be people who looked like they were in normal-sized bodies being tormented by the same compulsion that I have. Um, you know, and then when I think about it even further, this um, disease has no respect. You know, it has no regard for money, for religion, for, you know, it, it's like the great equalizer. And you know, and nor has it respected me um, in any part of my life. You know, I was thinking this morning how um, even on my wedding day, when when I look at pictures of what I looked like on my wedding day almost 19 years ago, um, 
I looked thin, I looked young, I looked happy, and I have a memory of being tormented by my wedding cake that I, even in my wedding, this disease had no respect for me. Even on my honeymoon, I remember being, you know, craved for the food. And even, you know, as a brand new mother, when I had just given birth, you would think surely I would be immune from it then. And, and yet again, I remember being craved for the food or when I was grieving, you know, so it's had no respect for me in any area of my life and no respect for um, or no regard for what my financial situation would be. It's like the great equalizer. And the beautiful thing that I'm seeing today is that that is actually drawing me closer to my fellows, that here is this common bond, this thing that I thought I was the only person suffering from, and it's making me um, grow in my relations with my fellows today. Thank you, God, um, that I'm recovered and that I can, you know, sort of get out of that self-pitying um, frame of mind. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. And Charles H., you're next, and we'll probably be able to take one more person Thank you, after Melanie Charles. Thank you, Melanie C., for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. Well, wow, some good stuff here, man. A lot of stuff to unpack. Can't do it in one day. Um, you know, I just want to, like, sprinkle all over. Um, this just reminds me of uh, page 17. We were a bunch that would just would not mix if it wasn't for <laughs> if it wasn't for this affliction. And I just want to say um, affiliation and, 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 and advocation is two different things. I could be rooting for you, but I ain't really necessarily got to be on your team. Um, I'm, I'm joined together with you by this affliction, and together we can recover. What love Bill W. and his first 100 people had. You know, I just had a vision. Can you imagine, you know, the big book without the doctor opinion? Yeah, Dr. Silkworth, the medical saint. Can you imagine this book without the doctor's opinion? This, this this beautiful man telling me that I got an allergy to certain things that I need to stay away from. You know, I'm not even going to go there with the religious part because you guys shared greatly on that. I'm going to go at it from the doctor, a medical point of view. Can you imagine this book without the doctor's opinion? You know, I mean... My doctor, my diabetic doctor said, why don't you go to OA? Can you imagine? Can I imagine life without the medical opinion? I, I really can't. So, you know, yeah, we may have personal uh, faiths, but like somebody said beautifully, as long as you have some type of faith in something else besides yourself, it's sufficient to bring forth, to commence to get results, to commence to get results. You know, a doctor told me, hey, Charles, why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous, man? You're too young to be going through all this. This was years ago. I'm an old man now. But, I, you know, I, I, I thank God for that doctor. I, I, yeah, I said I thank God, my higher power. And, you know, um, yeah, the numbers, I'm not really good with the numbers. You know, I'm just grateful that 80 years eighty years later, this message is getting to me. And uh, I just want to put out there, ladies, there's, there's some, some, some females that 
that, that's in need of sponsorship. So please make yourself available to them because they're calling, you know, men. And, you know, it's all good, but I'm just saying, there's some suffering people out there that need this message, this program of action. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. And time will allow for one additional share this morning. Who would that like to be? <laughs> Tongue tied. Who would like to take that spot? Uh-uh. Hi, Janice. Janice. <laughs> Hi, Janice. Um, and we have time for just that one more space today. And, and folks, please stay over for the next hour, which is coming up right after announcements. Thank you, Janice. Good morning to you. Well, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive oh. overeater. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to uh, talk about uh, upon therapy, that fourth paragraph page XXI, upon therapy for the alcoholic. What's the therapy here? Well, the, the therapy that we found, that I found in this book is the solution. It's the treatment for my compulsive overeating. And, you know, I see a lot of humility written in this paragraph by them saying, we don't have any monopoly. In other words, we don't own this book. There's a lot of, you know, displays humility Yet, yet, that means for me, it said, you know, if you haven't, if you're out there and you haven't got a solution yet, you don't have an answer yet to your, um, you know, compulsive overeating. This is what it said to me. If you don't have an answer yet, Janice, you know what? You, maybe you'll find an answer in this book, you know. You'll find a solution. You know, we don't own it. There's not only one way, but this is the way I found through this book, you know, the freedom that the problem has been removed. And uh, that's what I see in this paragraph. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janice M. And that cuts us short by a couple of minutes, but we will continue to close. And thank you to everyone who shared today. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour study that's going to be following immediately after the closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elizabeth S. please read A Vision for You? A book is meant to be suggestive only. Hello, Melanie. Thank you for your service. My name is Elizabeth S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Alberta, Canada, by the grace of God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Great offense will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourselves to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you treasure the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 